You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Let's get right into the Word this morning. How many of you are lovers of truth? Amen. We are not just hearers of sermons. We are lovers of truth and come to know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. Set you free. We're, we're part two in a, a teaching series entitled Traps and Tricks. Let's begin in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Peter is telling us here that you need to be wide awake. The Amplified Bible brings out that you need to be well balanced, fully alert, because we have an enemy. And this enemy, the devil, he's an adversary. He's against you. And you need to understand this. He cannot just overwhelm you. He cannot just overwhelm you. So what he has to do is he has to lay traps and he has to play tricks. And so what we're wanting to do is how can we avoid it? How many of you, and be honest and be humble, and this is not a house of condemnation. There's a house of truth and grace and peace and mercy and love. But how many of you have ever gotten caught in a trap or a trick before? Come on. It's all of us. It's all of us. And some of you today came in dragging, <laughs> dragging a trap. Okay. Uh, and we're going to, like I said, get equipped and armed for this. Our confidence is in God. You don't live paranoid. Our confidence is in God and God is greater. Everybody say God is greater. I I spent a little time on this last week. There's no dead heat stalemate battle between Jesus and the devil. We're not going to have to go into extra rounds and extra innings because it's back and forth back. No, no, no. Uh, God is greater. I said, God is greater. Our confidence is in God. And he is greater, but, and get this, you and I cannot afford to be careless because God is greater. But see, because the enemy cannot just overwhelm you, that's why he's tricky about it. He's a deceiver. He has to get you to cooperate and participate to some level, to some degree. And so what we're doing is how do we handle this? How can we navigate our way through this and not end up in traps and tricks. Please know that the enemy's goal is not just to upset you. It's not just to ruin your afternoon. The enemy's goal is destruction. Ultimately destruction. We'll see over the next few weeks how he liked to do a little thing and you think you're okay. And then another little thing and you think you're okay. And what he's doing is bit by bit setting you up for destruction. When he traps you, tricks you, he doesn't trap you so that he can tag you for research. When he traps you, he wants to then cook you, eat you, and mount you on the wall. Do you understand? And I'm little playful terms there, but this is as serious as it gets. He's a destroyer. And he wants to take you down and he wants to take you out. And so we're going to find out what can we do about this. Know that he is not creative. He's not creative. 
Therefore, he's very predictable. How many of you know that he has a limited arsenal? And typically uses the same things over and over on you. Come on, he knows what pulls on you. And he'll tend to use the same trips and and tracks. Traps and tricks on you. He's not creative. He's very predictable. But yet, here's the sad part. He's very successful. He's very successful. And so we want to cut into his success. And let him start to enjoy some of the defeat that he will enjoy forever. Seeking whom he may devour. I say, as far as me, you may not. You may not. Now, so how do we do this? First of all, we have to be aware. Everyone say aware. And if we are aware, then we can avoid. If we are aware, then we can avoid. When I was a little boy, I went fishing with my grandpa a number of times. And I caught a catfish one day. How many of you have caught a catfish before? And grandpa told me, because I've been watching him catch fish all day, I wanted to hold that fish. I didn't care how slimy it was. Grandpa would mess with it and then just, you know, we were fishing. And get that hook out of there. I just thought that was the coolest thing. And I caught a catfish. And, you know, it's still on the line. And grandpa said, hold up, hold up. And he got this nasty, nasty rag that, you know, we'd used for all kinds of stuff. And probably never been washed in three years, you know. <laughs> it's stiff when you first get in the boat. You got you, you to loosen it up. And he said, you're going to have to take this and wrap it around the fish. And then he gave me these little pliers to hook on the hook so I could get that out of there. How many of you have ever been spined before by a catfish? Well, I didn't know anything about that. But grandpa made me aware so that I could avoid. There are traps and tricks that are out there. But the more aware we are the more we can avoid. And that is the purpose for this series so that we can be in the know. If I know there's something there or I suspect there's something right around this area, then I can know and and be aware of that and that will help me to avoid. The main issue, and I shared this word with you last week and it's a big part of our focus today, is proximity. Everybody say proximity. Proximity has to do with nearness. Nearness. And the lesson of proximity is keep your distance. Keep your distance. If you've got a little bonfire going and you've got small children around, you have to warn them because they don't know completely. Keep your distance. And part of us not getting stuck in traps and tricks is that we are aware to keep our, dis- our distance and thereby we avoid the trap, the trick, and ultimately the destruction that the enemy would want to bring. Y'all here? All right. Now, as I mentioned this word aware, and that's our, our big word here, aware. Well, something has to make you aware. And this series is to help make you aware. But I want you to know that there's two ways to learn. Two ways to learn. First of all, in the classroom. Second of all, by crisis. What do I mean by in the classroom? I'm not talking about a literal classroom. But I'm talking about a place where instruction takes place. This is a classroom. In the kitchen with your parents as a child. 
and they're telling you something, that's a classroom. You're on the sports field or in the gymnasium with a coach, and he's teaching you more than just the game. He's telling you some other things about teamwork and playing fair and doing things right. A job where you've got a boss who's more interested in doing things right than the bottom line and telling you, let's have a good work ethic and let's do this right and let's treat customers right and those kind of things. Those are classrooms. Are you with me? And so we learn in the classroom or we learn by crisis. How many of you have learned before by crisis? Okay. And the thing is, you can learn either place. The best place to learn is in the classroom. Uh, If you do learn by crisis, make sure that you learn it and learn it well. Now, there are two teachers, and this is what we're going to focus on for most of the morning. The first teacher is wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from God. It comes from above. It comes out of his mouth. It comes through his word. You can ask for wisdom. Wisdom manifests itself in doing what is right and doing what is best. It's not what you know. It's what you do. And the other teacher... And I'm real nervous because this is a long word and there's a lot of teachers in the place. Consequences. Consequences. Did I do that right? Yeah, good. Um, Wisdom and consequences. Both of these are teachers and we're going to kind of compare them a little bit here this morning. In Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1, it said, My son... Pay attention to my, come on, pay attention to, to wisdom. Pay attention to wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. Now, if you read all of Proverbs 5, we're not going to right now. There's a young man and there's some things in his path that would entice him, that would set traps and tricks with the ultimate goal to destroy him. And the the writer of the Proverbs here is letting them know you need to listen to wisdom. Pay attention to wisdom. We get down to verse 8, and it says, remove your way far from her. Everybody say her. Let's identify who her is. Her could be her. Her could be him. Her could be chocolate. Her could be alcohol or drugs. Her could be, you name it. You know who her is to you. Her, and and I'm aware I'm using some grammar. It's sparking some of y'all. Uh, her is anything, anyone that pulls you off the path that you should be. Okay. So the Bible tells us here, listen to wisdom, remove your way far from help me her and do not go near the door of her house. We learned this principle last week. We've looked at this principle for 21 years. Now the long way is better than the wrong way. Say it again. The long way is better than the wrong way, which has to do with what? Proximity. Proximity. If you're not there, it can't happen to you. If you're not there, you're not a part of it. Okay. Now, in verse 8, remove your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Lest, here's the warning, lest you give, you give. You wouldn't give these away ever, but you give your honor to others and your years, the culmination of everything you're about and have worked for to the cruel one. 
Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And you mourn at last when your flesh and body are consumed. And verse 14 says, I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. That's what happened. Because he did not observe proximity. He got too close. Got caught in a trap and a trick. And he gave his honor to others. His years to the cruel one. Wealth and the fruit of his labors to strangers. Mourn as his flesh and body are diseased and consumed. And ended up on the verge of total ruin in front of everybody. So the question is, how? Why? And he tells on himself here in verse 12 and verse 13. Proverbs 5, 12 and 13. And say how I have hated instruction. And my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers. Nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. How did this happen? Why did this happen? That everything you work for, everything that really counts, now is not yours, belongs to somebody else, and you're in shame, and you're, and you're being consumed in every way. How does it happen? It happens because we did not listen to our teachers. Because we did not pay attention to those things that wisdom would deliver to us, that would deliver us. Now, he hated discipline. Ignored warnings, didn't listen to teachers, didn't pay attention to instructors. Now, first of all, notice this, that he hated correction. Proverbs 12.1 says that if you hate correction, I'm just quoting scripture, folks. If you hate correction, you're stupid. Is that plain enough? Any questions? How many of y'all been stupid before? I've written in my Bible next to Proverbs 12.1, I... Love correction. Everybody say it. I love correction. Or if you don't, just write, I'm stupid. Okay? It's up to you. Whatever you want to write there. Proverbs thirteen eighteen said that if you disdain correction, poverty and shame will come to you. Proverbs fifteen ten says if you hate correction, you will die. Proverbs fifteen five says, but if you receive correction, you are prudent. And you receive the reward of prudence. So we can learn in the classroom or we can learn by crisis. We can allow wisdom to be our teacher or we can allow consequences to be our teacher. What I want to do the next few moments is I want to give you a little comparison between the two. And then we're going to look at King David before we finish here this morning. First of all, wisdom as a teacher. Everybody say teacher. Wisdom as a teacher will amaze you. But consequences as a teacher... Will take your breath away, but not in a good sense. The tougher teacher, right here. The mean teacher, right here. Consequences. Let's keep going. The enrollment and ongoing tuition costs of having consequences as your teacher, well, you can't afford it. You cannot afford to learn all your life lessons. Through consequences. It will cost you too much. You cannot afford it. Here's some of the things it would cost you. Years. Self-respect. Your name. Your marriage. Your family. Relationships. Jobs. Your health. Your sanity. Your life. And ultimately, it all equals the wages of sin. 
which is death. In Psalm 119, verse 67 and verse 71, if we allow consequences to be our teacher, listen to me, learn it quick and learn it well. Because you don't want to go back and learn it again that way. It says this, I used to wander off until you disciplined me. But now I closely follow your word. My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Now, if you're going to learn, hear me, church. Y'all with me? If this is how you want to learn your lessons, first of all, you cannot afford the ongoing tuition for this. It will cost you too much. And before you realize it, I've lost my family. I've lost my name. I've lost everything I worked for. I've lost my health. I have lost my mind. I have lost my way. You cannot afford that. It is just too expensive. But if you learn a lesson, and we've all learned a lesson. Come on, be honest with him. How many of you have learned a lesson because of consequences before? Well, learn it well. Learn it quick and learn it well. And then don't go back there. The Bible says it's a fool who repeats his folly. Let's go on with this. It costs you. Consequences you pay at the back end of it all. With wisdom, the cost is up front. It's in the cost of discipline and obedience and consistency in your life and order in your life and purpose in your life and spending your time right in your life. Wisdom teaches you before you make a mistake. Wisdom teaches you before you make a mistake. Consequences demand that you make the mistake first. Wisdom builds a fence and posts a warning sign at the edge of the cliff. Consequences will just come visit you in the hospital after they've scraped you up, okay? So it's important that we, which one do we want to be taught by? I want to be taught by wisdom. In Proverbs 22, 3, it says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Wisdom will use others sometimes as an object lesson. Did you know that's another way that you can learn? Have you ever watched somebody before or had somebody point out and then you just realize, I don't want to be that guy. Don't do what that guy did. Y'all here? So wisdom sometimes will point out to you, not to mock, not to rejoice, but to take a lesson from it. We find in 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul writes, Regarding Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness. And they never made it into the promised land because of certain things. And he says, these things were written to us using them as examples so that we are instructed so that we don't fall the same way that they fell. So wisdom will use sometimes others as an object lesson. However, consequences a lot of times makes you the object lesson. There are pains involved with this. There's pain involved in anything. If you're going to learn to play the guitar, there's pain involved. There's pain in your fingers. There's pain in the ears of the people listening to you learn. Good things. There's pain. If you're cooking something, you're around heat. How many of you are good cooks? How many of you have ruined something before while you're learning to be a good cook? And you burned yourself and you cut yourself and you spilled things and everything else. You know, it happens along where there's pain involved. But here's, here's what I'm really after with this. There's two kinds of pain. There's the pain of discipline or there's the pain of regret. 
The pain of discipline is the pain you want to have. That's the pain that you'll go ahead now and do the hard work. Now you'll save money. Now you'll get out of debt. Now you'll lose the weight. Get yourself in health. Rather than the pain of regret. Or now you'll spend time with your wife, your husband, your kids. Now you'll take care of business. Now you'll keep that in good repair. It's the pain of discipline. Because the pain of regret on the other end is they're all gone. And you're sick. And you're broke. And you're busted. And you're disgusted. And everything else. And so the pain, choose your pain. And the preferred pain is the pain of discipline. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're called to be disciplined followers. That, that that's what gets you out of bed in the morning. It's been said that if you're thirsty enough, you'll get out of bed. I'm thirsty for the living God. I'm thirsty for His truth. And it'll get you up out of bed in the morning. And you've got to want things ahead of time, willing to go through the pain now. Go through the pain now rather than the pain of regret because the pain of regret is not the pain that you want. Now, real quick, I want to talk about King David. We'll shift gears just a little bit. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says it happened. Everybody say it happened. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon. And besieged Rabah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened. Everybody, everybody say, then it happened. <laughs> then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. I just wonder if a shower curtain could have changed everything. So David sent and inquired about the woman. Now, let's go back and look at something. It says it was the spring of the year. And the scripture clearly says in the spring of the year, this was custom. This was the honorable thing that a king would do, that if their kingdom was in battle, which was pretty constant, because they're still settling up things and fighting over this and that and fighting for what they felt was right and establishing causes and defending others and so forth. But it was proper. It was noble. It was right. It was expected that in the spring of the year, that was the time that the king would go out to battle. And he would cheer on his troops and he would encourage his troops. Typically, they've come through winter. And he would go and assess what was going on. And it was time for the king. That was where the king was supposed to be. However, David did not go. David was supposed to be out at battle, but David was lounging around the palace. And that's when David saw Bathsheba taking her bath. And what happened here is David's sin of omission. Follow this. David's sin of omission led to sins, plural, of commission. When you don't do what you're supposed to do, there's a multiplied effect that you're going to end up doing what you should not do. And his Dave, David's sin of omission led to the sin of sins of commission. Let me put it to you this way. If you are not where you are, where you should be doing what you should be doing, I, I'm going to sound just like your mom or dad right in your face, okay? If you are not where you should be doing what you should be doing, 
then chances are very great that you are where you should not be doing what you should not be doing. So when I was a 10th grader, I won't tell you the whole story or stories. And a couple of my friends says, come on, we're going to skip fifth period. Well, if you buy into that, and I told you no details. If you're not where you should be doing what you should be doing, you'll end up where you should not be doing what you should not be doing. Do you know what it is again? You ready? Proximity. If I'm not there, I'm not a part of it. If David was out at battle where he should have been, he never would have seen Bathsheba taking her bath. He never would have given her another thought. He never would have given her a second look. And the king, with all his power, inquired of her and said, bring her to me. And as a result, adultery took place. Murder took place. Cover-up took place. All kinds of things happened that never would have happened. And the goal was to destroy David. And Jesus, you ready for this? Is of the seed. This whole thing is a plan of destruction. And you think, how cool, how beautiful is she? And you have no idea the trap and the trick and how far it will take you. The Bible tells us repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. If sinners entice you, do not consent. If they come with us and let's go do this, don't go. If they're asking you every day, come on, let's go to happy hour. Come on, let's go to happy hour. Had somebody I talked to just within probably a month or so. And they've got some big trouble on their hands right now. And and if you're here, don't worry, I'm not going to give your name. We already talked about this. But because of some previous issues and somebody kept inviting them, kept inviting them, kept inviting them. Come on to happy hour. Come on to happy hour. Come on to happy hour. And he said, I went. He said, and I said, why did you go? And he said, because they kept asking. Well, you know what? That's a trick. That's, right. Amen. That's like going to the picnic or having a cookout and mosquitoes are coming at you. How long are you going to swat? I'm going to squat the whole time. You don't just finally get to a place. Okay. (laughs) Let me take my shirt off. You don't give in. You just keep. You just keep on going. And he ended up at a place that he should not have been. And especially him. And did something that he should not have done. And because of previous problems in that area. It now created for him greater problems. Who saw that coming? The one who lays the traps and plays the tricks. And it's not to upset you and it's not to ruin your afternoon. It is to destroy you. And the more that we're aware of that, the more that we can avoid. And if he had just been aware, if David had been aware, if you had been aware, if I had been aware, we would keep our distance And we would avoid, other page, we would avoid the traps and the tricks of the enemy who's out to destroy you. He's seeking whom he may devour. And it's more than us just standing tough and saying, you may not. It's about you and I being informed 
and being equipped and being armed so that we can win this battle. You have to win this battle because you don't know what's connected to you. David had no idea of the seed of the lineage that would go down to the Savior of mankind in an effort to somehow destroy that. That's just something to think about. Let me just finish with this. The more aware we are, the more we can avoid. It's up to us to be informed and to stay alert and to keep your distance from anything that you perceive to be a trap or a trick. You learn in the classroom or you learn by crisis. Your teacher can be wisdom or your teacher can be consequences. And you'll go through the pain of discipline or regret. The preferred pain, wisdom. In Psalm 124, verse 7 and 8, David said, Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help, everybody say, my help. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and he made earth. Listen to me. Not only will the Lord help you to avoid traps and tricks, the Lord will also, he knows how also to help you escape from, from some traps and tricks. I'm not so naive as to think that all of you are free from traps and tricks. I jokingly said this morning to you, some of you came pulling some of them in. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at specific because his arsenal is limited. We are going to see out of scripture. They're highlighted in scripture. Very clear. The traps and the tricks. There's variations on them. Yes. There's contemporary versions of them. Yes. But there are basic traps and tricks that the enemy would use. And some of them, and let me just go ahead and I feel, I feel impressed to share this. One of the tricks that the enemy will play is some trap that you've been messing with, you've gotten away with it. And you think you've gotten away with it. And it's just setting you up for something else. The more that we're aware, the more that we can avoid. We trust God and God is greater. But we cannot afford to be careless. Let's keep our distance. Let's let God light our path, order our steps. Be wide awake and we're going to make it all the way through.